I choose to look at it as like the most valuable experience because I think that's something that can't be taught in university. It's going to teach you the biggest lessons. I think how you handle it is what really is going to show your growth and then like utilizing it forward and making sure that like that wasn't a mistake that it's going to be another mistake. Like it was a mistake that's going to count and teach you a lesson and let you become better at your job. Welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. I hope you're having a good week so far. And yes, this is a really old episode. I actually recorded it when I first started the podcast, but obviously got lost in the archives. Um, But I love speaking with Bailey. I'm a huge fan of her. So sorry if the noise is a little bit muffled, but this was when I first started out um, and this was a great combo. So let's get straight into it. I'm here with Bailey Stanworth and I'm a huge fan of hers and I'm really obsessed with her podcast. And plus she's also from Vancouver. So it's really exciting for me to be speaking with her today. And Bailey is the founder of Shop State of Grace, Play Digital, and the co-host of What Days It podcast. She also co-founded Piper West Watches. On top of this, two of the companies she founded, she did by the age of 25. So that's ridiculous. And I'm 23 and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. Um, And Bailey's killing it in the social media industry. And as someone who's super passionate about social media, I thought it'd be really great to hear from a young female serial entrepreneur. So Bailey, before we get started about all your businesses and your ventures, um, I want to talk a little bit about your university experience. So I heard in another podcast that you actually dropped out. So what were you planning on studying and what made you drop out? Uh, Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I, you're so sweet. That intro was like so kind. So thank you. Um, Yeah, no, I, so out of high school, I mean, I feel like a lot of people will probably relate to like the pressure from parents and grandparents to go get a degree and go to post-secondary. That was like kind of my experience. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't really want like a corporate job. I'd always been someone who wanted to kind of like make her own hours, be our own boss. I just didn't really know exactly what that looked like for me. Um, but eventually got to the point where like I had to appease the family. So I ended up going back to school for marketing and I was going to do just like a bachelor in business. Um, so I started with like marketing and communication and some computer courses and, I did that for about a year, um, but I just found like, especially the marketing course, I just remember sitting in that classroom and I'm someone A who like, I'm very hands-on. I learned from doing things versus being spoken at. Um, So that was like one thing that I already knew didn't really work well for me for learning, but I remember being in that class and just the the strategies and everything they were teaching. I was like, this is not relevant. Like social media wasn't even being talked about. And so I just didn't see the value in spending that much money and time on a post-secondary degree in marketing per se. And Mm -hmm. so I was working for a company at the time, just doing their social media. And I was like, I'm not learning anything and applying anything from this university course that I'm taking. Like, why am I taking this course? So I eventually had like very honest conversation with my family and was listen, like, this is a waste of my time and my money. Like, give me now that I like kind of know how interested I am marketing and social media, like give me some time to like do this on my own. And they hesitantly believed in me, but they've always supported me. And then I guess the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And what were your plans after you made that decision? Were you ever scared or like, did I make the wrong decision? Cause I feel like in our society, there's like a certain path that you should go to high school and then you go to university. And then if you tell like an older generation, like grandparents or something, I'm actually not going to university. They're, they're shocked. They're like, 
what, what are you going to do? So did you ever have that moment where you're like, did I make the wrong decision? Or were you just like, this is the best decision I've ever made? Um, I don't think it was ever like I made the wrong decision. I think it was just the fear that like will always be there when you take a risk and especially like a risk on yourself because it's scary. But, um, I always was super honest with myself and knew that like I was a hard worker and I was willing to do it and like give it my all. So knowing that I truly was going after something that I wanted, I think worked for me, but, um, I definitely like the family. I mean, still to this day, I swear my grandma doesn't really understand what I do, Um, but she supports me. She's always been so incredibly supportive. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, I think we're all going to have fear when we kind of take those risks, but I just, I knew I was either going to be unhappy and continue down a path that was expected of me, or I was going to kind of forge my own path and take that risk and either know that I could do it and succeed or I was just going to then be able to go back to that unhappy path. So I, I didn't really want to wonder what if. Yeah. So you said that you're really hands-on. So where did you kind of learn your digital marketing courses? Was it just through experience? Did you take any um, like other online courses or what did you do to get that experience? It's all been mainly experience. Um, I've worked for a couple of companies and like I started their social media just from the ground up, like right when Instagram was kind of starting. Um, But I think it's been trial and error, like paying attention to what you're doing, not just doing it. And then also like, I'm a big believer in like, you can teach yourself, be resourceful, like YouTube tutorials. There's a website called Skillshare. That's great. So it's just kind of really like utilizing what's out there and with the internet, there's so much. So I think that for me, I'm like constantly learning too. Yeah. And so for Play Digital, how did you get your first client? Because I'm just starting out to freelance. And then when you don't have a portfolio full of clients, it can be kind of scary to like prove yourself. Like I can, like you can say only so much, like I can do all this, but you don't have anything to really show for with clients. So how did you kind of start that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I was really fortunate that I already had a lot of great network um, relationships because of the past job I'd been in. I worked in fashion for like seven years and I, we worked with a bunch of brands. We'd worked with a bunch of small entrepreneurs, the community out here. Um, I'm more in the Fraser Valley than Vancouver, but there's just like such a hub of entrepreneurial, especially women I find. So I was already kind of quite connected there. And a lot of them had been asking me if I could help them, but I didn't have the time. So when I decided to make that transition, I reached out to those people who had already kind of like been talking to me and was um, very fortunate that they did want to work with me. But I would say like for anybody who is kind of in that position, like maybe just starting with a fresh clean slate, doesn't have that portfolio built up, like show people what you can offer them. Like if you're reaching out to somebody who you want to freelance graphic design for, like look at their brand and make a graphic and like show them like, Hey, I think this would be something that I can bring to the table. I think visuals are so strong when you're pitching yourself versus like a cold email. Um, I think cold emails are great. I've done tons of them and I think that you can really network and create contacts that way. But like, I'm just someone who's so visual. If you think of like opening up an email and there being graphic in it, I think it's going to grab someone's attention more. So I would just say like, show your skill set in whatever way it is. And then that way you can start to build and they can see what you can offer. Yeah, totally. So what kind of work do you do at play? And like, what is your ideal client? Oh man, we do everything. Um, 
we're really in the creative hub. Like I always say, like we're very visual, we're very creative because that's where my skill set is. And I I don't want to do anything that I don't think I can do a great job at. Like I'll always recommend someone elsewhere if I don't think it's what like if we're not the best fit. Um, so we really specialize in like social media management, influencer marketing, graphic design, some web design, content creation, which is like photo shoots and campaign shoots. Um, so yeah, like really kind of in that branded visual digital realm, um, ideal client. I mean, we work with so many different like sizes of businesses. When I started to play, I really wanted to ensure that like, we still kept that sense of community more than anything. Like I didn't want to just go after these like big corporate companies where all the money was, cause that's not what I'm passionate about. Like I love working with the mom who's got a side hustle, who's growing her business. Cause I've, I've been there. I've had that side side hustle and I know what it's like. And for me, I just feel so connected to that. So I think for me, it's just someone who is so passionate about their brand has a really cool product and like something that I would love to use. That would be like ideal for me. Yeah, um, I think you guys actually did work for Mumgree, um, the peanut butter company, yeah. right? Yeah, I interviewed her on yeah. my podcast. So she's, she's great. The best. So, yeah, so that's awesome to see that you you guys are looking to support small businesses as well, as well, not just like the big players. I was wondering, so do you have any advice for people trying to grow their brand online? And like, what makes like for Instagram, what makes a feed stand out to you? So there's like a few different things. I think the first thing when you're talking about just like an overall capturing of an audience, it's like that grid of me is so it's what hooks me. It's like the first thing it's like when you're reading a book, it's that first sentence, right? Like it's, you can kind of gauge if you're going to be interested or not. Um, so I always look at that, like the visual brand is sick. Cause uh, statistically, like you have five to seven seconds to capture someone's attention. So I think that's really important, but like, more important than that, I think is really engaging with your audience and like building that sense of community and a brand, because I think that's what keeps people around. Um, I've seen brands who don't have a great brand aesthetic, but like they've mm-hmm. got such a personality to their brand. They, the people know who's behind the brand and like that will create such success. So I would say like, know your brand, I guess it would be the first step. Like know who you're talking to, why you're talking to them, what makes you different, what your core values are as a brand. And then from there, you can really continue to educate that and like circle back for any content you're putting out, knowing that it's aligned with your vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some great tips. And have you ever felt like you've ever like failed a client or built a campaign that you weren't exactly proud of, but maybe like there was a specific timeline and you had to like rush things? Oh yeah. I mean, I learned a lot of lessons along the way. And like, I was someone who I just wanted to do it all. Like I, I loved, um, I love what I do and I love helping people, but I think that I was stretching myself too thin that I wasn't able, able to do that properly. I was sacrificing the quality of the work. So now I'm definitely more realistic with our bandwidth as a company, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, that's happened. And I just, I choose to look at it as like, the most valuable experience, because I think that's something that can't be taught in university. It's going to teach you the biggest lessons. I think how you handle it is what really is going to show your growth and then like utilizing it forward and making sure that like, that wasn't a mistake that it's going to be another mistake. Like it was a mistake that's going to count and teach you a lesson and let you become better at your job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've have, you've had multiple businesses. You even had one where you sold one. So what was kind of the process of selling a business, like selling one of your first businesses? 
Yeah. I mean, it was something that I never really truly honestly thought I would do because I was so connected to that brand. It was the first company Mm -hmm. that I ever dipped my toes into the entrepreneurial pond with. And so it just was like my child in a way. Um, so I had initially like wrapped my head around the fact of just like closing the brand down. Cause I had kind of like reached my max growth potential I felt with it. Um, so when I had kind of, I'd announced that publicly, I was like four months into wrapping it up. And then I had some people come at me and they were like, would you ever be interested in selling it? And I was just like, it doesn't feel like the right fit. And then one of my top customers of the brand actually approached me and I was like, okay, if I'm like going to let it go, it's going to be someone who loves it as much as I do. And I knew that she did. So mm-hmm. it ended up being like the quickest turnaround. I, it was like 30 day sale. I had no wow. idea what I was doing. I never sold a business before. So it was definitely a lot of like calls with a lawyer, having her break things down for me. Cause like, some of the language in like agreements and stuff, I still don't understand. So that's why lawyers are there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was just a lot of paperwork, a lot of back and forth, but I was really, really grateful that Brandy and Mackenzie, who I ended up selling it to their mom and daughter out here in White Rock, um, Mm -hmm. that I had that relationship with them because I also feel like that made the sale um, made me more comfortable and it made it smoother. Like I could talk to them about things in the agreement. I didn't have to go strictly through the lawyer. Like it just felt Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, no, I didn't really ever look back from it. I'm so proud of what they're doing with the brand. And like, I'm so proud of what I put into it. So it, it felt right. And it still does. Yeah, no, you should be proud. It's, it's still a really great brand. Um, and you've been in the business for a very long time. What do you identify as? Like, what do you see your identity as? Do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? Do you see yourself as, I don't know, what do you envision yourself? And following up that question, do you ever feel, I guess, demotivated from kind of doing the working in the same industry for such a long time? Those are great questions. I've never been asked that. Um, I also don't even know, like know if I've ever thought of like what I identify <laughs> as. I like, I guess I am an entrepreneur. Um, sometimes I don't totally connect with that because I feel like I look at people who are entrepreneurs and I see like the huge like investor entrepreneurs and I definitely am not that like I I just genuinely in myself feel like I'm a creator and like Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I would identify as like I'm a creator and I'm still like someone who's figuring everything out as I go I have lots to learn I'm going to make more mistakes and learn from them but like I'm committed to that growth um yeah I think I just had like a self-identifying moment as a creator so thank you (laughs) um sorry what was the second part of the question do you ever feel because you've been in the business for so long do you ever feel like demotivated or like maybe bored or something of like what you're doing because you've been in the industry for so long yeah no definitely I also think just um social media and technology can do that even if you're not working in it I think it can just drain you so uh I've learned to listen to my body and like my mind and what I need more. I have weeks where like, I feel way less creative or way less excited, I guess. And I also think quarantine has been a huge um, kind of block for that because I'm not out creating as much on site content and being as interactive personally with like my clients. It's been a big shift that way. So like I'm more isolated working from home remotely. My team is working from home remotely. So like that kind of also has been an added layer, but it's fun. Cause like, as soon as a project comes up that like reinvigorates me, like it just there and I get all so excited all over again. So like, I don't feel like it's ever something that I've 
reached to this point, I don't enjoy it anymore. Like I love my job. I'm so grateful for it. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, but like, I definitely have those moments and days where like, all I want to do is just like shut my computer off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's this saying that people always say, like, find a job that you love and you'll never feel like you're working a day in your life. But if we're, let's be mm-hmm. realistic. Like, let's find a, like, it should be find a job that you like, because like not every day you're going to wake up being like, Oh my God, I'm so excited to go on Instagram or do all these social media things. But um, it's great to see that like, someone that you you've built up this business, but not every day is going to be like, I'm super excited to do this. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's unrealistic to think that too. And mm-hmm. I just like, I try to like, if I have five tasks that I've got to do, I'll try and do mm-hmm. the one that gives me joy to like, make sure that I'm doing the best job I can at it. And if something can be pushed till tomorrow, I'll do it then because if I'm not feeling it, I'm probably not going to do as great or as passionate of a job as I could when I am. So I'll try. I mean, sometimes you can't do that either. You just got to push through and that's the reality of it. Um, but yeah, no, no one's going to love what they do hundred percent of the time. Totally. Yeah. So speaking of social media, you are, you have your own sort of following on your own Instagram page. You're starting to vlog and whatnot. Um, do you feel like where, like, where do you want to grow that platform? Just like you as Bailey, as a person, where do you, where would you like to see that grow? Um, honestly, this is something that like, I have not given any thought to until like the past four months. Um, my personal page is always just kind of like a byproduct of my work. And I'm grateful that I have that. Cause like, I've seen the same faces pop up on all the feeds over the years. So I like, I do really feel like I've got this like group of digital friends, which I love so mm-hmm. much. Um, but I, yeah, I want to, I just want to be someone that people can relate to. Like, I don't ever want to be that unattainable and like not bashing or saying anything negative about this, but like, I just don't want to be that girl who's got like Chanel all the time. And like, I just don't feel like that's someone that I personally relate to when I'm on social media. Like, that's not what I'm looking at. Like, I love, I look at the birds with and Nicole Ajak and like just people who are telling real stuff. And for me, that's been a transition. Like I'm not, I'm a very private person. I always have been. So like, I'm slowly opening up things, but, um, I've talked about like mental health. I've shown behind the scenes of business and like how it's not this highlight reel that you just see on Instagram. Like, I don't want anybody to ever think that like what I'm doing is this like perfect life. Like I have days where I've made huge mistakes in my business that like I was crying and like stressed out losing hair. Like I want to share that part because then people can feel less alone. So I think I just really want to build this community and this relatability with my audience. If that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. No, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And I appreciate that honesty and like seeing where people um, and like higher positions or even the term influencer and everyone hates that. But when you're in that position, it's nice to see um, people being real and people showing their challenges and their downfalls, not just, as you said, like the highlight reel. Um, so you've mentioned, I think you're mentioning the birds papaya, like, and, and I know you're friends with like Caitlin Bristow, that whole group of lovely women. Um, so they're all in the similar industry. Does that motivate you to work harder or do you ever find yourself stuck in the comparison game because they're all in like a similar industry? Um, I definitely don't find myself stuck in the comparison game with them. Like I can find myself stuck in that sometimes just because I think it's normal and we're all human with like other creators who I don't know. Um, but those girls honestly are just like so supportive and we all just like cheer each other on and like are excited to share outcome projects. And like, we know we can go to each other about the behind the scenes. Like even if we don't feel comfortable sharing it on social yet, like we've got people who can relate and 
like give us advice or just be there to listen and not judge. So it's they're the best supportive group that I could ask for. And I think that's why we're so bonded too, is like we get the industry and like the ups and downs. And like, I think sometimes when you are a creator, especially in social media and someone doesn't kind of get that realm, you feel a little judged because it's it can sound like a shallow industry sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. So it's nice to have that group to kind of go to and like say those things that maybe sound a little superficial, but like at the end of the day, it's your business and you have to have those conversations. Yeah, that's great to hear that you've got such a great supportive group. Um, and I want to shift things towards your podcast. Um, so what made you decide to start a podcast and what was kind of the push that made you launch that? Yeah. Um, so I had previously the company that I worked for started a podcast with them. Um, and I I loved like, again, all self-taught like YouTube videos, like that's how I learned to launch it and do it. Never done a podcast before knew nothing about it. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Like we had great conversations with guests that we never would have ever had the opportunity to actually like sit down, go that deep into a conversation when I left that job, that was one thing I really, really, really missed. Like I knew that I was doing the right thing, going to start play and do my own. I knew I was going to miss that aspect of it. But then at the same time, people were like, Oh, do you think you'll start your own? And I'm like, hell no, it's so much work. Like it's one of those things where again, like the behind the scenes, people don't see, like they just think this episode, like you talk and it comes out and that is so the case. (laughs) So I just like kept being, you know, like I'm just starting a company. I'm not going to take that on at the same time. I started play and July. And so then I just was like, yeah, no, this isn't happening. But January, I was just like thinking of it and people kept asking me. And then I called up my friend who was interning for me at the time. And I was just like, do you want to do a podcast? And she was like, what? I'm like, she's like, you said you wouldn't do this. And I'm like, yeah, but I just knew I missed the conversations. Like, Mm -hmm. again, it was just something that like never would ever come up outside of the podcast we pulled the trigger and like a week later had the podcast launched. Damn, yeah, that that's awesome. I love it. And I, I heard that Lauren from the Skinny Confidential was your mentor for a bit, which is so cool because. Um, so yeah, how important was it for you to have a mentor for your podcast? Yeah, no, it was great. Um, she's the best, such like one of the most strategic and intentional people that I know in business and same with her husband, Michael. Um, but she was great to have. She really reminded me of, cause I mean, with podcasting, especially when I think it's relevant for any industry, when you're like just stepping into it, growth is slow. Like mm-hmm. unless you have like this fluke viral moment, your growth is going to be slow. So she really reminded me like, stay consistent, stay patient, um, she kind of refined some of the things we were doing, reminded us to like know who we're talking to, why we're saying what we're saying, how we're saying it, how to be different. So she was really definitely monumental in kind of like our growth and just kind of like pushing our traje- trajectory forward with the podcast. Um, and she just also like taught me a lot of just like how to be in business in general. And I think that's what mentors are great for is you can ask them those questions and they're going to give you that honest feedback like I think you can go to friends and family sometimes and they're great but they're they might sugarcoat it a little bit and they might give you kinder answer whereas like Mm -hmm. I think it's a mentor's job to really 
break it down and sometimes they might scare you um, and remind you of like the risk, but they're also going to really help you and give you those tools that you haven't thought of to grow. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that your, your now co-host was your intern. So are you a mentor now for anyone else or have you been a, been in that mentorship role? Yeah. So, um, I did mentor a friend just kind of as like a guinea pig. Cause I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to do this. I don't want to <laughs> like not bring the value for someone. I really wanted to make sure that when I took this on, I was prepared and like ready. Um, so I did with a friend uh, and she's got a local, um, kind of like skincare lip balm line here called honeybee. So check her out. Um, but it was great. Like she was just starting off. It was nice to kind of like people to also ask her feedback if I could do anything better as a mentor to kind of step into that role. Um, and then I actually just wrote a blog post for Lauren on skinnyconfidential.com and announced that I am going to take someone on. So I haven't selected anybody yet. So if anybody is looking for a mentor, you can go into my Instagram, DM me or leave a comment on a post. Tell me about your business. I am really excited. That I'm going to take someone on in January. That's awesome. That's awesome that you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So who is someone that you'd like to learn from in the future? I mean, I think I try and learn something from everyone that like comes into contact on our podcast, but like mm-hmm. I could choose a mentor, honestly, would be Lil's husband. I think he is so smart and so He's intentional so cool. in business. And yeah. Yeah, like I've had a couple conversations with him and he's Mm -hmm. just, he's not afraid to give it to you like it is, but like, he's just the way his brain works. I just find it fascinating. So yeah, Mm -hmm. like if I could be mentored by anybody else, it would be Michael Bostick. Yes, no, I agree. And like the launching him Mm -hmm. and Lauren, when they launched Dear Media and it's all females, like all the, all the shows are females, which is like, that's, that's so impressive that a guy is like running that. Um, And I was wondering, so what is your day to day like now? So what are you up to? Has it changed since lockdown or have you always kind of worked from home? Um, I've always worked from home since starting play. Like that's just always been my office. It's like, like right before quarantine, I was like looking at office space. So like blessed that I didn't <laughs> um, sign a lease on anything because that would have been a nightmare. <laughs> but I mean, it definitely has changed. Like it's way more Zoom meetings. It's way more emails and phone calls. Um, I was, I would go more on the road and do things before quarantine. And now obviously that scaled back. I mean, my day to day is kind of all over the place. I honestly really just try to listen to my mind and what I need. Um, yeah, it's like, it ebbs and flows. Like some days I will work, I'll be in the zone and so creative and I will like work for 10 hours and not look up and be like, I haven't eaten dinner at eight o'clock at night. Whereas other days I'm like, I need to get outside. I need to go for a walk. I need to clear my head and move my body. So it's a lot of just kind of like checking in with myself and what I need, but it's all computer work. So like I literally just sit on my computer. Yeah. So you said that you mentioned that you had a team. So has that been difficult being in a leadership role at all? And then it can. Yeah. I, I've been in leadership roles in past jobs. I mean, it's obviously different when it's your own business. Um, so I'm grateful that I had that experience as like, in managerial roles to build that skill set. Um, cause I do think it is something that like, I would definitely recommend having experience in if you're going to be an entrepreneur and lead a team. Um, but I also, my personal approach, and I think that this is kind of like controversial in business. It's not everybody's approach is that I look at the team that I work with and I really want them to know they're valued. And so try to establish boundaries with friendships, but like, I also want them to know, like, 
I care about them. And I think that like, when you find good people, you have to hold on to them. And I think that's something that like, I've learned from past jobs where like, I always took my work home for me. And I can tell that these girls do too, that work with me now. And I never felt I had that appreciation that I would have liked for what I was giving to the job. So like, I always try and look at it from like where I was and what I would have wanted, because mm-hmm. I think, I think that's one of the best things you can do as a leader is like, remember back when you weren't one. No. Yeah. No, that's, that's great advice. And I have one last question. What is your ideal, um, I guess, like marketing or digital stack? Like, is it certain apps? Is it a planner that you have? Or like, what are your like top three favorite things to like get shit done? (laughs) Um, So I honestly use my notes on my phone religiously. Like I have a list on there called you got this list and I'll like write down anything and everything I have to do. And then I will the night before pull out like the top five things that I'm going to accomplish the next day. So that it's not overwhelming. Like I can pick and choose. Um, I also have like an urgency list on there of things that like I can't pick and choose, but like my notes app is something I use all the time. Um, if it's not in my calendar, it's not happening. So my calendar app is definitely like my lifesaver. Um, but aside from that, I would say there's a great website called Prepper. If you're running other accounts, it helps schedule Instagram. I know a lot of people use like Hootsuite and stuff. Um, I just personally found that I liked the flow of this one a little bit better. So I use that. I think it's great. And then I also just try like tips that Lauren taught me, um, not even from mentoring, but just from her blog and like what she shares is time batching. I just think it's really a great tool to be productive and efficient. So set like a 30 minute timer on your phone, however you want to do it. And like dedicate that 30 minutes to only one task, whether it's emails, whether it's a project, whether it's cleaning your house, like time batching is like Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are some great tips. I'll definitely take note of that, but thank you so much for your time, Bailey. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, if you guys haven't heard her podcast, what days it is awesome. I listened to the Jillian Harris episode yesterday at the gym, um, and going on the stairs for super long, it can be boring. So I recommend listening to their podcast. It was, it was an awesome episode. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. And that was Bailey. I'll have all her links. I really love following her on social media. She is so real and really positive. So I highly recommend checking her out. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.